I want to read scripture for you today. Uh, we're starting a new series uh, called uh, The God of My, and then you just kind of fill, it, fill in the blank, because I think all of us have a blank to fill in where we struggle with trusting God with our fears, our worries, our finances. Um, and, and so I kind of want to put a, a question to that, like, the God of my what? And I'm, is he really the God of my, or is something else the God of, of that thing? And so we're going to kind of look over that over the next few weeks. Also, we're going to try something new, I think, on May 8th, just so you know. Has anyone seen the movie Encanto? Encanto? Like, all you know, we don't talk about Bruno, no, no, no. You know that song? All right, all right. So I, the, it's amazing to me, like the songs and the psychology and all of that is absolutely amazing. So we're going to do something new, and you may hate it, but I, I think it's going to be fun. We're going to take a look at some of those songs that they sing, and we're going to, we're going to glean some stuff from what's going on in that movie um, and see kind of where we can take. So it's not, it's not like, oh, we're taking scripture from it, but I love to take things of the world that Jesus would look into the world and say, this is how it applies to life. And so there's some things in that movie that I want to extract and show some biblical principles that we can take some next steps on. So in the month of May, we're going to have a little fun with Encanto singing Disney movie and, and, and uh, getting some biblical principles. So just to prep your brain for that. All right, today we're going to jump in Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Uh, this is a life verse of mine, uh, and I'll, I'll explain why here in a second. But this is Paul writing, and he says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Now time out real fast. Um, I think he's talking about more than just your physical bodies, because I, I read through that and be like, oh, well, I just, you know, my body, my health, nutrition, and that. But I think when, we, when I think about God and worship, like they ask Jesus, what's the most important command of all the commands in the Old Testament? What's the most important? And he says, love, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Like everything of you, like all of you, you love God with everything. And so here it's just saying in, in, in verse 1, he's like, offer everything as a living sacrifice. Like you're dead to yourself, a sacrifice. That's the way to worship God. That's the way to follow him is like, God, you are the God of my everything, every day, all the time. But then he says, do not conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, when I first read this about 20 years ago, and I just started to take my faith journey seriously, I was always wanting to know, what's God's will for my life? I want to know God's will. I want to do God's will. And then I ran across this, and I'm like, oh my gosh. He says, then you will know. Like, there's a little bit of a blueprint for life here. If you want to know what God's will is for your life, he kind of gives you a blueprint. He says, you're going to have to give everything to him. Like, if you're holding some things back, knowing what God's will for your life is might be a little bit complex. But if you're at least the starting point for this blueprint, the starting point is saying, ah, oh, for everything. 
All right, let's just start with that, okay? Then he says, he kind of points to, he says, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So this is a mind game, all right? So a lot of you, we're in this spot where we're going through some stuff. We want to know God's will. Like, I, I believe you want to know, hey, I want to be in God's will. I want to do things. I want, what's my purpose in life? But you're, you're going to, it's a mind game. And, and so over the course of these next few weeks, we're going to look at the battle that's taking place in our mind because it will, it will keep you stuck and it will keep you discouraged and keep you from accomplishing what I believe God wants to do in your life. Last week, I asked the question, why are you here? Like, we were here for Easter. We had a phenomenal time. We had, uh, like, a record-setting attendance here. Ten people gave their life or, or responded to the gospel last week uh, just in this room, which was awesome, absolutely phenomenal. Thank you. Yes. All right, God's moving. I asked the question last week, why are you here? And we're like, oh, somebody invited me. Someone invited me. At the end of that message, I said, why are you here? It's like, because God wants to meet you. It's because God wants a relationship. But kind of like the infomercial, but wait, there's more. Why are you here? God wants a relationship with you, but he also has plans and a purpose for you. Like, we, like, like he wants to... Uh, Say, hey, I want, to, I want to go into business with you. I want to work together. I want to take next steps. Like, let's do this thing together. He didn't just save you so he could just shoot you into heaven for eternity. He's like, no, we're partners together. I created you. I designed you. I have this unique thing. Just you. There's no one else. That's you. And I want, to, I want to do some things together. But our minds can forget that. Our minds can get us into so much trouble where we're stuck and we don't want to go. I'm too young. I'm too old. I'm too middle-aged. I'm too whatever. And I want to go to that area today. You know, for me, um, when I'm thinking about <clears throat> the mental strategies and, and what gets me stuck, this is something that, that reminds me of that, all right? It is a fishing pole that uh, a couple years ago, we started in our family once a year. Instead of resolutions, we would say, Hey, what, what's some goals that you want to accomplish this year? What's some dreams? Like, dream big. And not only did I start doing that, like, we started asking our boys, what do you want to do this year? What, what's some dreams, some goals? And we would, they would name some things that seemed pretty crazy, but we would, big or small, we would try our best to work towards those one step at a time. Well, one of them was they wanted to catch a fish, which is great. They wanted to catch a fish, except dad's not a fisherman, all right? My fishing stories go like this. I have caught, I remember, and I grew up in Missouri, so we go fishing a lot. Uh, I would go catfishing, but um, I caught, uh, I, I thought I was getting something huge. And so I'm like, you know, just reeling it in and reeling it in and reeling it in. And it was this uh, old, uh, soggy, moldy um, T-shirt. And it was in my friend's lake, which he had been missing that T-shirt for several years. He's like, oh, you got it. You know, that's what I caught. Then I, I, another time I'd been going, and um, I caught two giant snapping turtles. And again, my friends were excited because those snapping turtles had been messing up their fish and stuff, and they hadn't been able to catch them. Well, I caught them. I didn't catch any fish. Uh, when I was first here in Los Alamos, I had a buddy of mine at work. I didn't know anyone. I just knew the people who worked. He said, hey, I'm going to take you fishing. So we went up to Fenton Lake. All right, so he, he sets me all up because I don't know what I'm doing. 
And we go, and I kid you not, my first cast, I go, whoop, just like, oh, well, there, there we go. That's why I don't do the fishing. <laughs> I do that, and I go, oof, oof, oof. And his fa- one of his favorite lures is stuck up in the tree, way far up in the tree, and he's got to cut the line and go. I can't catch fish for the life of me. My boy said, hey, Dad, we want to go fishing. We want to catch a fish. So, good Dad, what are we going to do, Mom and Dad? We'll, we'll, we'll go fishing. So uh, Los, Los Alamos Facebook Marketplace, I buy a fishing pole, 10 bucks. I've never used this thing. I got this, the wire and the string. I'm too like discouraged to even do it. This right here was uh, a pinata. We decided to tie a pinata to the fishing pole, and, and I, I did this little number. That's all it's been used for, okay? If you want to get in my head and how, mo- how terrible I am and how bad I can, like fishing, like, just say, hey, Mike, let's go fishing, and I'm going to tell you, you do not want me to go. I'm terrible. All right, and, and so I will avoid fishing. I won't go on the trip, or if I go, I'm just going to be like, hey, I'm warning you. I'm awful. All right. It's one thing to laugh about fishing, it, and it's okay to joke with me on that, but it's another when it comes to our life. It's, a, it's another when that thing, that area, there is an area in, in your life when it comes up, whatever it is, where you've failed, where you've messed up, where it didn't go the way that you planned, and it, and it stifles you. It messes with your mind. What I want us to see today, that God can still use those things. God can use your failures. He can use the mistakes. He can use the things where you feel stuck and use that for his good, for his glory, and for his purposes. But the enemy wants you to live in discouragement. Discouragement. Like the enemy doesn't have too many weapons. He will use divisiveness. He will try to divide. He will use deception where everything kind of seems true-ish, right? He, the, the devil's not going to come at you with a cape and a pitchfork and like, ha here I am, and you're going to be like, that's obviously bad. No, it's going to look really good-ish. And that's how he gets you. Just a little degree off, a little degree of separation. So deception, which is why you need to be in a group. You are not meant to do this whole life alone. We are all prone to deception. We, don't, we, can't, we have our own blind spots. You need to get in community and walk with other believers who love you, who can, who can lovingly tell you, I think that's not quite it, or have you seen this blind spot? Are you sure about that? But he will also use discouragement because if you're on the path, the journey of where you're going to be walking by faith, where you're going to be taking next steps of faith, Oh, he will surely try to discourage you and leave you stuck in that. And if you've been in those moments with the seasons of nothing, like hard work and no payoff, if you've been in seasons where you've been going and going but not seeing the results, or if you've had failure after failure after failure and discouragement starts to set in, it can keep you away from what God, it can, it can cripple you and wreck your faith. 
what I want to do in this series is kind of talk about that. I want, to, I want to look real quickly. We don't have much time. But in Luke, I want to look at one of my favorite sep- sections in scriptures. I want to look at these early disciples. We looked at Matthew last week. I want to look at Peter. Peter, uh, when he first meets Jesus, it goes down like this. Luke chapter 5, verse 1 says, One day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore at the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him, and they listened to the word of God. He, being Jesus, he noticed two empty boats on the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, that's Peter, he asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and he taught from the crowds there. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it's deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, We worked hard all last night, and we didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time, everybody say, this time. Oh, you did that good. You did like we planned it. Because you never know which time is this time. You never know which time is this time. And this time, their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. And a shout for help brought their partners from the other boat. And soon both boats were filled with the fish and on the verge of sinking. And when Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus. And he said, oh, Lord, please believe me. I am such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were others that were with him. Now, I don't know if you've seen the movie The Chosen, uh, that series. I absolutely love it. Um, now, in that movie, uh, it's, not a, it's not a giveaway or anything like that, but they set it up well, like Peter's in some tax money situation. Uh, that's not really, in, that's like creative liberty. It's not necessarily, he, we don't know what the situation is that Peter was in. It doesn't give that in scripture. I actually love the creativeness in the, in the Chosen. It gives us some sort of plot line as to why he was so desperate in this situation. But that's, that's beside the point. Peter... Peter went all night, and he didn't catch any fish. Peter was in a moment of discouragement. Peter was in a moment of failure, where he had been going all night, and he's tired, and he caught nothing. And you even get a sense of that, where he's like, Master, we thought we've been going all night, and we didn't catch anything. They had no idea what was being offered. They were on the cusp of a miracle. And this is what this series is kind of about. That you are in the middle of a mess. You are in the middle of a situation. But on the, on the, on the cusp of a miracle. On the cusp of a breakthrough. Between a mess and a miracle. And I don't want you to give up in no, no matter what situation you're on. No matter how bleak the situation looks. But discouragement, failure, disappointment's going to come our way. But it's, how do we handle that? What are we going to give into when disappointments come in our lives? It says that Jesus, it says he noticed two empty boats. Those two words he noticed stand out to me. They stand out to me because they said the situation, the context was it says there was a great crowd pressing in on Jesus. Meaning there was a big crowd of people, a lot of things going on, 
Jesus was the center of attention, and this is a great crowd, but this is great news for you and I. Despite all the kind of chaos that was going in, they're pressing in on him. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, what about this? Jesus, can you help? And he noticed the guy who had a bad night. He noticed the one that was sitting there in failure. He noticed the empty boat. He noticed. You have a father who sees you and notices you. Like summer concert series coming back up again for, in the summer for Los Alamos. And I kind of have a bad memory of that because they had the free bounce house night, which is great. Okay, let the kids go and do the bounce house thing. So they're running around doing the obstacle course. Mom and dad have a few minutes to just relax and enjoy the concert until you go to look for the bounce house and your kids aren't there. And there's thousands of people going around and I'm kind of having a panic attack. Where's Charlie? Where's Charlie? I don't know where he's at. I get a phone call all the way on the other side of the, the, the thing. I get a friend who's calling me saying, hey, Charlie's way over here. Where are you guys at? And I'm like, oh my gosh, thank God. <laughs> Jesus sees the situation that you're in. He sees that you're frustrated in your marriage. He sees you alone in your singleness. He sees you drained in your high school, in your job. He sees you wandering around Los Alamos, wondering, am I always be here? He sees you burn badly at a church, and now you're back in a church. He sees you as you look in the mirror with disgust. He sees the empty boat. The boat that you left discouraged, feeling like a failure, on the brink of saying, I'm done. I took a second this week because I was like, well, I don't know what you're dealing with, but I'll write, I'll write some things down that, I was de- that I'm dealing with. When am I most discouraged? And there's a lot. There's a lot that goes into our mind that wants to distract me and keep me from my purpose in life. One of them is I'm only as good as my last sermon. I will judge myself in about 10, 20 minutes after this sermon is over and rip myself to shreds. If it's good, great. It's a great week. If it's a bad one, I'm a failure. Now, you know that that's not true. I know that that's not true. But it messes. You don't get to control my thoughts. You, 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 it's all up here in this mind game that we're playing. Re, it says renew your... Don't, don't be conformed to the image of this world. Be, be controlled by the renewing of your mind. I have to renew my mind sometimes on a minute-by-minute minute basis. When I get on my own kids, I want to be the good dad. I want, I, want to, I want to do things. But you know and I know we have that moment where we went too far. We have that moment when we said something we shouldn't have said or said it in a tone in the way that we didn't want to. And we're like, ah. I'm just like contributing to their future counseling bill, right? Like, am I a good parent? Can I do this? With my wife, things are going great until they're not going great. And it, and it, it wrecks my world. T-ball, or not, not T-ball, I'm coaching baseball this year, which you're going to get a lot of baseball analogies because I'm coaching, all right? We played game one this week, we won. We threw a no-hitter, and uh, the boys, they won 10 nothing. I'm like, coach of the year, right here. Look at us, here we go. Game two, 
We're struggling. Give up five runs in the first inning. We're only throwing rocks. I got nothing to say. And in my mind, I'm like, I'm the worst coach ever. I have nothing to offer these kids. Why did I ever sign up? I am horrible. <laughs> Their parents are going to hate me and burn me at the stake. When I let you down as a leader, I feel like such a failure because I want to be able to help, but I can't. When I'm not there for you, when I let God down, because let's be honest, I'll do what I want to do, when I want to do it, how I want to do it, where I want to do it. And I'll get into that mode and I'll get myself into a mess. And I have no one to blame except for myself. And I let God down. And then you think you're going to stand up on a stage and try to preach to people? And discouragement and failure will try to keep me from doing what God has called me to do. Comparison. It's all loaded up on our, on our phone right now. You pick that person. You pick that thing. You see that family. You see what they have or what they're presenting. And all it does is remind you how you have not arrived yet. How little you've made it and how far you've got to go. And how you can't and how you're unworthy. And all of these areas of discouragement, like I could find yours. I know you have those. I can see the faces. This is not a fun conversation. The areas where, where you feel like a failure. And they threaten to just say, nope, you can't do anything here. But Jesus notices. Like, that's all the farther we're going to make it today. I got, this is like an introduction to a whole sermon where we're going to talk about Peter and these disciples. I want you to know that Jesus notices. He sees the boat that you've abandoned. He's, he sees, like, I, I'm so tired of fishing. I'm so tired of that boat. We sell that boat. We're going to do something else. Like, we just quit and just move on. He sees. And today he asks the owner. He steps into the owner's boat. And he says, can I use that? He's asking you, the owner of that failure, you, the owner of your mistakes, where you're sitting in the discouragement and disappointment, and he sees you today, and he asks the owner, can I use that? Because that boat would actually make a great pulpit for me right now. That pulpit, that pulpit there's a great crowd here that, that I, I need to get the good news out to. Can I use that failure? Because that would be a great platform for people to receive some encouragement right now, to receive some hope. The God of your failures is asking the owner today, can I use that today? The thing that you didn't think you wanted or needed, like, because I want to speak through that. Peter, the owner, says, okay. One tiny step of faith. Okay. And he pushes out. That wasn't even the miracle. Like, Jesus got the message out, but then... He's going to ask two more commands. He's going to say, go deeper. Go deeper so I can cast out some nets, which we'll talk about later. 
But then he gives them one more at the end of this. When Peter hauls in this great catch, this miracle happens. Peter gets a better glimpse of who Jesus is. And just as a hint, the more you get to know God, the more you see how much you fall short. The more you get to know God, the more you see how unworthy you are. The more you get to know God, you just see like, oh, here's all my failures and all my mistakes. But he's not there to point those out and shine a light on them to condemn you. He, he wants, he, he's trying to make you better through those things. And so Peter, he, he, he gets in that moment. He's like, I am so unclean, so unworthy. I can't, no way. And here's what Jesus' response is. He says, Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and they followed Jesus. He gives them another command, says, let's go do this journey together. And as we follow along with Peter, as we follow along with these other disciples in these next few weeks, you're going to see failure, failure, failure. But you're also going to see miracle, miracle, miracle. And you're also going to see God's presence, God's presence, God's presence, God's presence. What was an empty boat? full of disappointment and discouragement and failure was filled with the presence of Jesus and it changed everything in that moment. Why are you here? Because I believe by God's mercy, in view of God's mercy, he has a great plan for you and I. But our minds will deceive us into thinking, not me, not now, no way, no how. And he's saying, no, we've got plenty to do. There's people who, who, who have gone through what you... Like, God never wastes a hurt. God never wastes a failure. I go so far as to say, if you've had a failed marriage, you might just be the one to help people who are hurting in their marriages right now. If you've gone bankrupt... You might be the very one to help people who are struggling in their finances right now. If you've had a tough time with parenting your kids and you're like, look at my kids, there's no way I should be the one to help other parents. You might be the one to help other parents who are struggling with their teenagers right now because you know. It seems like there's no way that God could use that, but it might just be a clue to God's purpose in your life. We got to reorient our heads. I urge you in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. God, you are the God of everything. You can have it all, even that thing. How do I do this real fast? Two quick things. One, you got to make a choice, okay? If you're sitting in a spot where you are stuck, if you're sitting in a spot where it's a season of nothing, if you're sitting in a spot of like, I can't do this, or there's a lot of discouragement, one, you got to make a choice. I'm going to get back up again. One small step at a time, but you just got to make a choice. The other thing is, if you're in a season of discouragement, second thing, realize the destination, your dream, your purpose in life, a lot of us are chasing this. Well, what's God's purpose for my life? Let me just tell you, it's not a destination. It is a journey. 
Moving in God's will for your life is not a destination. It's a journey, one step at a time. So you're going to go. It's like a roller coaster. You're going to go up and down and all around or whatever, but you're going to be slowly. Like even two steps backward and three steps forward is progress in my book. And so we're going to keep trying to work one step at a time toward what God is calling you to do in his life. Your risky next step of faith is where your next experience with the presence of God is at. And that's what I want for us today. So with that, we're going to, we're going to stand up. We're going to Thank you again for taking the time to listen to the podcast this week. I hope you felt inspired to take your next step of faith with Jesus. Just a couple next steps that you can take coming out of this. One, rate and review the podcast. That really does get the message out to other people faster, as well as click subscribe to make sure you get the latest content as it rolls out each week. And finally, if you want to partner with us financially, head on over to our website, click the word give. That's going to get the message out through our ministries further and faster. Have a wonderful week. God bless.